that many of us, about 20 of us from the church, have spent the week at the New Frontiers Brighton Leaders Conference and had a brilliant time. Um, I would encourage you to go onto the New Frontiers website. You can download every message that was preached. And there were some brilliant uh, seminars with, uh, I mean, uh, in terms of uh, subjects from, Christ- from um, church history through to uh, miracles, signs and wonders, and everything in between. And, um, you know, it's just a great resource. All the downloads are for free. Some are video. Many, most of them will be audio. Um, but we had an amazing time. We had a remarkable time on the Thursday evening, which is given over, really, to an offering where, um, where we just take up one huge offering, to, really, to um, forward the work um, of our family of churches across the world. And that would, that would really go to everything uh, from, um, ch- well, particularly church planting, but within that, there's everything from helping people with farming, where we're planting into very rural and very um, poverty-stricken areas, particularly in um, sub-Saharan Africa, um, through to slum work in, in Bombay. and I mean, really, really, you name it. Work with um, people coming out of addiction in the Ukraine, Eastern Europe. Um, and it just was such a thrilling privilege to be a part of that and to hear stories of... And one story particularly moved me was of a, a, a Zimbabwean man, really from an affluent background, um, sort of, you know, growing up, grew up um, comfortably, you know, house with swimming pool and all of that. And recently felt God called him to move to Mozambique with his family, young family, and, he's, he's moved, and they live in a tent. They live in a tent, they have no water, no electricity, no schools, and, uh, and at night time they do something called bucket and chuck it, which is to do with going to the toilet, <laughs> because you can't go outside of the tent at night because of the wild animals. It's just too dangerous. So you simply do what you've got to do and then out the doorway and zip her up, you know, and that's how it goes. But you just, to be around that kind of sacrifice, and it was just so Christ-like in the sense, you know, obviously we, we worship Jesus who was in the glories of heaven, worshipped in the, in, the, in the beauty of perfection, and came down and became a man and really uh, voluntarily, willingly laid aside all the glories of heaven to come to the earth. You know, none of us choose to be born, do we? We're just born, and then you've got to figure it out. But Jesus chose to, to come and to humble himself and really to just be around people that are modelling that kind of gospel humility and gospel sacrifice was remarkable. And they're looking to plant a church into that area. I mean, Mozambique's one of the poorest nations of the earth. They're looking to plant a church. They've gathered 18 people and they're just, it's, you know, it's like our early days and yet very different. But it was a privilege as a church to be able to put in £8,500 um, to their offering. We raised, we raised over 900 grand um, as churches together to get behind these works, which they, take, they cost money. And so it's in the middle of a recession to really just be able to go for that and to contribute as a church in a way that is percentage-wise, in terms of the money that we have, very significant. We do not have tens of thousands sitting around. But we thought, no, we want to get behind this. And we want to give ourselves to this, regardless of the economic climate. And actually, interestingly, today I'm going to speak on uh, the recession. I call it the recession session. Today's, <laughs> today's message. I want to just spend some time speaking into the climate that we find ourselves in. And really, what is the, what is the Christian response um, and hopefully it will help you, regardless of where you're at. You may think, well, look, you know, I'm, I'm not actually even working at the moment because I'm a student, so I'm not feeling it. And yet, I guess as your degree comes closer and closer to finishing, you may sober up a bit and realise that it's not going to be as easy, potentially, to find a job as it would have been a few years ago. 
Or maybe you are working, but your job's on the line. Maybe the pressure's on. Maybe it's become dog-eat-dog. Maybe heads are rolling left, right and centre. Maybe what used to be a nice office working environment has become a very tense one and a very stressful one because everyone's looking over their shoulders, is it going to be me next? It's very, very real. Maybe for some of you it's debt. Your debts are spiralling and it's like, what can I do? I mean, I know for, for us we've been amazed just at the way the prices over the last couple of years in the supermarkets has almost doubled. It's just, you think, wow, it doesn't seem fair to have a recession and prices going up. I don't know how it works, but I think surely it should be the other way around, you know. It's just, it's this reality, isn't it? And um, many of us, all of us, in different ways, I think, are feeling the pressure, the cost of living in London. You know, you go out on holiday somewhere just to the suburbs and you can realise you can park your car for free. <laughs> Literally, I'm serious. You, it's really weird. You pull up and you get out. And you go to where you're going, and then you come back and get in it. There's no tickets on it. Because you're three minutes over, you're meet. It's just, it's just a different thing. But you can just be aware of the cost of living, rent. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not easy. For many savings that they've maybe just for years just been able to build up, it just seems like it's either leveled off or it's disappearing. How do we respond as Christians? What should our response be? Now, you might be here thinking, well, I'm not a Christian. I'm not one of you born again lot. I'm not sure quite where I'm at. So why is this relevant for me? This is hugely relevant for you. Why? Because I want you to understand today that what you're going to hear, this is what it's like to be a Christian. So when you're thinking through what you believe and why, and you think, well, I wonder how, what, what's a Christian life like? You're going to get a glimpse today. Help you to understand. So we're going to go through. If you've got your Bible with you, then um, please turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have, it with, have a Bible with you or you don't have a Bible, no problem. I'm going to read it out publicly anyway. So please don't feel um, that you're going to miss out in some way. Now, my whole message today is really rooted in this one idea that because we live in an atmosphere of fear, fear of the future, fear of financial lack, because we live in an atmosphere of anxiety and uncertainty, what can happen is, is that the, it can lead to an utterly uh, wrong and erroneous stance for a Christian. A Christian can be impacted by it and their stance can change, sometimes suddenly, sometimes gradually, but they can find themselves positioned completely wrongly and they can find themselves that they've come under the umbrella of uncertainty under an uh, attitude of fear and anxiety, and it's completely wrong for the Christian to live like that. In fact, I'm so thrilled about Natalie's song, I know your fearful thoughts, I know your anxious ways. Let my word come and bring you gladness. She's just prophesying the sermon. Isn't it great when the Holy Spirit leads us in this way? What Louis read out, you know, those who look to the Lord, he's delivered them from all their fears. Well, that's what we're going to do today, we're going to look to the Lord. We're not going to come up with some clever ideas, some little philosophy. We're going to look to the Lord. And as a result, when we look to him and see him, our whole mind and our attitude is changed. So Matthew 6, we're going to read from verse 19. I'm going to read a bit, comment, read a bit, comment. Just, just take you through this passage to the end of the chapter and then give some application for us. It's Jesus speaking to his disciples. This is a message for disciples. If you're not a disciple, the first thing you do is you become a disciple. Then this is teaching for you. He doesn't have to try and live nicely if you're not a Christian and have a bit of that Jesus stuff. No. First things first, you become a disciple. You say, Jesus, I want to follow you. You enjoy that miracle of being born again. Then this teaching is for you. It's yours. Here it is. It's beautiful. 
Chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. There we go. Let's start there. Jesus at this point is not saying it's wrong to lay up treasures. Please do not interpret that passage as Jesus saying you shouldn't lay up treasures. He is saying you must lay up treasures. He's just saying this, be careful where you lay them up. Do not lay them up on earth. It is a waste of time. It is foolish. Why? Because they get eroded one way or another. Lay them up in heaven. How do you do that? We'll look at that in a minute. But that is the message. It's not, it's not the Christian life isn't a vacuum. Oh, I don't, no, I don't do that. But what do you do? You see, not doing stuff is not enough to motivate anyone to do anything. Or, oh, I don't do that. No, I don't. And the Christian just becomes somebody who doesn't do lots of things. Oh, I don't do, oh, no, I don't do that. Either. What do you do, for goodness sake? Here's what Christians do. They lay up treasures in heaven. Here's what they don't do. They do not lay up treasures on earth. If you do, you're being foolish. Jesus told a parable of a man in uh, the Gospel of Luke uh, who, he, his business was doing well. Things were going well. Money was coming in. and Well, agricultural society, it was wheat, okay? But it's a kind of equivalent, is money. So his barn filled up. He said, well, it's filled up. What do I do now? He scratched his head. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to build another barn. And fill that one up. He went to bed that night. And then God spoke to him and said, you fool. You fool. Because you don't realise that tonight your soul is required of you. Tonight your soul is is required of you. And then Jesus said, this, this, this is what the Lord will say to everyone who is, not, who is not rich towards God. You see, you just accumulate and build up for yourself, you're being a fool. Because tonight, your soul might be required of you. Then what? Then what? You've been foolish. You've not invested well. You've not, you've invested in something that is utterly uncertain. You have invested in a realm that is completely uncertain. And even if you happen to live in a, in a period in the earth's history where it's a boom and where things are going well, do you know what? Maximum, you're only going to enjoy it 100 years. Max. That is not very impressive when compared with eternity. You're being foolish. Jesus says, lay it up in heaven. Then he says this, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is very important you get this right. It doesn't say, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. I think that's true, but this is more challenging. Where your treasure is, where you invest, there your heart will follow, there your heart will be. And sometimes Christians say, oh, I wish I felt more passionate for God. Where are you putting your treasure? Where are you investing? Because your heart will follow. Whatever you invest in, whatever you give yourself to, your affections are obviously then thrown into that. And if you're a lukewarm Christian, you're a Christian, you think, I just feel cold, I feel stony. I want to ask you, where are you investing? Are you investing in heaven? Or are you investing on the earth? Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. This is mysterious, but I'll explain it for you. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What is this about eyes being, eyes being healthy? 
It's referring to generosity. If you read in the Old Testament, the Lord says this to his people. He says, look, if you see someone poor, don't, don't have a bad eye towards them. Don't look at them and think, why should I give that to you? Or, if only you'd worked harder, you wouldn't be in this position. He's saying, don't do that. Have a generous attitude. Remember, everything you've got, you've received from the Lord. Have a good eye. It's about generosity. How do you invest in heaven? Be generous. Be generous. Be generous with what you have. One of the key ways you can worship the Lord Jesus and love him is to bless those who have need. It's great to gather and sing and worship. That is worshipful, absolutely, if your heart is right. But it's just as worshipful to give someone a cup of water who's thirsty. Or you see someone who they, they haven't got, you, know, you see someone walking on the street and they haven't got proper shoes, their feet are hanging out, you get them some shoes. Get them some shoes. Offer to get them some shoes for goodness sake. Why? Number one, you're buying shoes for Jesus. So get them some good ones. <laughs> Number two, it's what we're commanded to do. Don't assume someone else is going to do it. You're the light of the world. Aren't you? Be generous. Have a good eye. Have a good eye. We want to do this individually and corporately as a church. This is so important. Because if your eye's bad, then the whole of you is bad. Because that's meant to be a lamp of your body. Of your body is the way you see and approach it. It's about your attitudes, your perceptions. If you're all kind of all screwed up, you're, if you're, you, know, you look like you've just eaten a lemon the whole time, there's something seriously wrong inside of your heart. You're supposed to be big and live big. Why? Because we've got a big God who's treated us big, hasn't he? Given himself for us. He's given himself. He's humbled himself for us. He's, he, he chose a life of poverty for us so he could associate with the most lowly. Homeless Jesus was. Penniless Jesus was. Voluntarily, the king of heaven. And then gave himself up to death on a cross. Why? Because that's the only way our sins could be forgiven. What humility. God's been big to us. So he says to us, be big. Be big. Be generous. Do not, whatever you do, come under that anxiety, that way of thinking, oh, well, no, you know, keep it for a rainy day, or the rainy day's here now, you know. No, just be big. That is the thrust of biblical teaching. Some of you are thinking, oh, this guy's foolish. Isn't it wise to save? I'm telling you what the thrust of biblical teaching is. I'm not saying it's wrong to save. It is wrong to accumulate what you're saving for. How are you approaching that? Are you prioritising giving? before saving. It's massive. It's absolutely huge. And then Jesus gets to the heart of the matter, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate one and love the other, or will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus says, what's going on here with this whole generosity thing, good eye, bad eye, and all that, is a matter of profound spiritual warfare. You can't serve two masters. What are you about? I want to ask you today, what are you about? If if you're about material stuff, that's what you're about. Whatever form, whatever form it takes, if that's what you're about, you will not be able to serve Jesus happily. You won't. You might say, but I'm sure I can, I can juggle it, I can hold it together. Please, when Jesus says you can't, you can't. He knows the human heart has only the capacity for, for, to have one priority, one affection that is number one. 
Jesus says, you can't serve God and money. You can't do it. Now, there's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing, money is neutral. It can be used for much good. It can be used for much bad. But the place it has in your heart is vital. Because if it's got a place in your heart, then it will not flow through you. The money that the Lord entrusts you with, it will get clogged up with you. You won't be a river, you'll be a lake. You'll be a pond and you'll go stagnant. Because it's all the Lord's, the money is God's. And if it's entrusted you with the kind of skills and abilities where you're able to earn well and all that kind of thing, he entrusts and he expects you to be generous out of that. If, you, if your heart is not in that place, then you, you're not going to be able to serve Jesus with the liberty. And what does the Bible say, Hebrews 12? Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 25. Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Hallelujah. Don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about your life. What you'll eat, what you'll drink, where you'll go on holiday, what car you're going to get. Nor about your body, what you'll put on. Isn't life more than food? Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't the body more than clothing? Isn't the body more than clothing? Yeah. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. They're not very wise, are they? They never sow nor reap. Birds are just kind of, they're just so irresponsible, they just fly around. <laughs> they don't gather into barns. What's the matter with those guys? And yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you of more value than they? Are you? Yes. The Heavenly Father feeds the birds. He'll feed you. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of those. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore don't be anxious saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now I'm going to say something very challenging now. I want to put to you a proposition. And it's this. That the things Jesus is talking about here are primarily not the things we worry about. And they're not the things we worry about. Why? Because we know we're going to eat. And because we know we're going to get enough clothes. What do we worry about? We worry about the extra stuff don't we? Because we're used to a certain kind of lifestyle, aren't we? What do you worry about? Do you worry about, oh my goodness, it's all got, um, nakedness is ahead. There's, no, there's nothing in there. There's no clothes in the wardrobe. I don't think you do. I think you probably worry about this more. Will I be able this autumn to get some things that are going to be in with the autumn look? You know what? Jesus does not promise you that you will be able to. Because it's vanity. Now, that is not to say that to wear something that's in line with fashion is wrong. No, it's not wrong at all. But you cannot stand on this as a promise that the Lord will provide money for you to stay at the height of fashion. You can't. You are on sand. You are not on the rock. 
And if you're getting really worked up about it, you've got issues that you need to repent of. And it's vanity. Sorry. Need a holiday. Need a holiday. I haven't been away for six months. I'm so stressed. Lord, Matthew 6. No, not Matthew 6. Maybe the Lord will say this to you. Why are you so stressed? What is it with your lifestyle that's making you so stressed? Why are you so driven? Why do you have to be so in control of everything? Why can't you just be at peace with the fact that you may not go away for a while? Now, there's nothing wrong with holidays. Praise God for every holiday that comes. But the Lord is under no obligation to provide you with one. He isn't. Considering most people in the world go to bed hungry, we do need to stop and have a bit of a check on this stuff. Sorry, guys. I just think this is what's in the Word. We've got to preach the Word. You can't just emboss onto it some kind of Western thing. I mean, how did they get to private jets from here? I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? The prosperity, guys. It's staggering. Now, I am totally into the goodness of God. I am totally into God abundantly providing way beyond you know, our base needs and all of that. All of that. But here's what I'm saying. If you are in anxiety because the Lord will not provide the extras, then you are in sin. And the issue is not that the Lord is not providing the extras. The issue is that you are not content. So it's very, very important that we get that one straight. That's probably not going to be too popular, but there you go. I feel like that's what the text is saying, so I feel confident on it. (coughs) Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All these things, what things? Food and clothing. Food and clothing. Now, God's so good. God is so good. And like any, any father, he loves giving gifts, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? I love getting my kids gifts that they really don't need. So I'm in bright in the street, think, well, I want to buy them a present. So I get some Star Wars key rings, you know. I don't need them. We're fine without them. But I want, to, I want to give them to them and I want to watch their face. In fact, when I arrived back from Brighton, the kids went, presents. I thought, what about presents? What about my presents? It wasn't about that. It meant something else. Presents. They were excited. Presents are exciting. The Heavenly Father loves to give us presents. So I'm not for one minute saying that God will not over and abundantly provide. I'm not saying he won't give you good things. I'm not saying any of that stuff. But what I'm saying is this. That's all grace. That's all bonus. That's all to be delighted in like a child. It's not to be sulked about when it doesn't come. Yeah? See the difference? So that's the, that's the this key. It's key. I am content What does the Apostle Paul say? As long as we've got food and shelter with this, we will be content. He also says, I've learned the secret of being content in whatever circumstance. I'm happy to have plenty. Paul wouldn't go all funny if there was a big feast. Oh, no, 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 I'll do some dry bread. No, he's learned the content. I can be content with plenty, but I've learned learned the secret of being content with nothing. 
You see, it's about contentment in God, in him, knowing him, knowing his favour, his love. Okay? And if, if you get crippled or paralysed, if you're not getting the extras, you've got to get your heart right with God. Something's gone wrong. Then, when the extras come, like a child, you can delight in them, can't you? Yeah? You don't go all funny and aesthetic, no, thank you, I'm fine, I'm content. No, you enjoy it. Thank you, this is wonderful. Yeah? But it's a bonus, it brings an overflow of joy. It's not your right. Very, very key. Verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. How many Christians are worked up about yesterday? How many Christians are worked up about tomorrow? You can't change either. What can you change? Today. Today. Jesus says, just leave it. Leave it. You might say, yeah, but you understand, tomorrow I've got this meeting with the boss. Oh, well, in the morning, pray about it. Enjoy Sunday. The sun's out. That's, that's godly. So many times I, I talk to people and, they stand there and uh, this is on my mind and they're, and they're talking months ahead. I'm saying, you haven't got grace for that. You've not got, there is no grace given today for tomorrow. Do you know that? There is no grace, grace given today for next week. The grace is given and it's enough for today. It's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> it's lovely. So get it, get it, get it. So how do we apply this? Just I've got a few ap- applications before we finish. Firstly, individually know who you are. You're one of God's children. He's going to look after you. Amen. Amen? He's gone to the cross. He's laid down his life for you. He's bought you with the precious blood of, of Jesus Christ. Surely he's going to provide for you, isn't he? Of course he is. He can't not. His name is Jehovah Jireh. God cannot be, God cannot not be what he is. That means God must be what he is. That's his name, that's that's his character. He will provide. He will provide grace for today so you can enjoy him. He will provide your needs. He will provide food for your stomach and clothing for your body. He will. Hallelujah. Your royalty. You are royalty. When you meet a Christian who knows who they are, they're a child of God. They're a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And their head is up and their back is straight regardless of their material situation. Regardless if their job's on the line, they hold themselves with dignity and composure. Why? Because they know who they are in God. And they know that actually it's the boss and the, and the situation at work is not actually governing things. It's not governing things. God's governing things. God is sovereign. Don't we believe that? If we believe that, it's got to shake down to our own situation. Otherwise, it's, just a, it's a theological box you can tick. It's meant to break into your life and bring peace and joy, isn't it? God's sovereign. So keep your composure. Maintain your integrity. Maintain your integrity. Let's imagine you've got some money in the savings and as a result of that you don't qualify for job seekers. So what do you do? Get the savings and move it to a different account? No. What do you do? You live off your savings until it's gone. Then you go for job seekers allowance. That's what you do. Is it going to hurt? Maybe. Maybe. But you do it. To do otherwise is to lack integrity. To be ungodly is to sin. It's stealing. You're stealing from the government. Maintain your integrity. Do your tax returns right. Do it right. Do not, do not, don't, nothing. If your conscience niggles you on it, listen and act. Why? Because you're confident. I'm a child of God. 
Not because, oh, you know, I don't know, we're just uptight. No, because you're a child of God. He's in charge of your finances. He is responsible for you. Did you know that? And so many believers, sometimes you think, oh no, they try to take responsibility for themselves, but they just end up cheating and doing silly things because they're totally not trusting God. Trust him. Is he not able to just suddenly open up the windows of heaven and provide for you? Of course he is. What about the Israelites in the wilderness? They say, we want meat. We've had this crazy manna for months. Sticky bread. We want some meat. God says, I'll give you meat. He said, how are you going to give us meat? We're in the middle of a desert. God says, I'm going to show you, and it's a light thing for me. Next morning they wake up, 18 inches of quail, as far as the eye can see. Easy. God says, it's a light thing. It's a light thing. For, it's a small thing for me. It's not even a big deal. Another time they're in the desert, and they think, what are we going to do? There's no water. And they start panicking. They get the prophet along. He says, dig some trenches. They dig some trenches, go to bed in the morning, they're just lined with water. God says, it's a light thing for me. It's an easy thing. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? If God's got something for you and it's beyond your means, he will provide for them and it's no big deal. Just walk with him. Trust him. Commit your needs to him in prayer. Otherwise, you're insulting him. You're saying, well, actually, you might not come through. Or actually, maybe, you, maybe you know, you're busy with someone else. Come on! He's, om- he's omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He can give you 100% of his attention and give it to someone else. All right? It's not like when you come to me and there's cues and I forget this. And I, it's not like that. Don't, you know, don't have a pastor view of God. He is God. You can bring your knees to him. You're front of the queue always. Everyone else is as well. It's great. You're front of the queue. You can bring your knees and he'll meet them. He promises to do so. Give thanks. Give thanks in everything. Thank God. We, we, do, we, we do grace as a family around the table. Not for some religious thing we're stuck in. I'll tell you why. Because I just want to remember every time this food, thank you God. Thank you God. You've provided this. Be confident. Hebrews 12 says that God's going to shake everything. So that only what is unshaken can remain. What is unshaken is the kingdom of God. He, will, he is shaking things in our nation and across the nations. He is shaking confidence in the false God of mammon in the false god of money. He is shaking confidence, he's shaking idolatry in people's lives, where they just assume they'll be able to do this, that and the other, and it'll all work out and with no reference to him. He's shaking it. And you just got to let him shake, and let him shake, and you've got to let him shake you. Say, shake me God, so that what is eternal, what you've done to me remains. Say, shake away. Why? Because sometimes the bad stuff so sticks to us, it needs a good old shake to get it off. Shake, shake, shake. New song. Individually, corporately, together. What about us as a church together? How do we apply this? Let's remember, church, who are we? We're the light of the world. It will not do for us to be as nervous, anxious and scared as everyone else. And uptight at work. And starting to tread on people to get forward. And all of the, No, you prefer one another. Come on, church. We're the church of the living God. We're the people of God. We're the body of Christ. We go into work and union everywhere else. We're going, we're going representing Jesus. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're different. We're absolutely different. We're called to shine like stars in the universe. Now, living in London, that doesn't mean much, does it? Because you can't see any. 
You go out to the countryside, you understand what that means. You just see, oh, this is staggering. We're meant to look like that where we go, to shine like stars. We've been purchased. We're no longer our own. We're supposed to be a signpost to a wandering world. Everyone's looking around going, so what next? So what's the score? How do we deal with this? They're meant to look at the church and see that's the way. That's it. What is that? There's this confidence, this joy, this contentment, this peace. What? This dignity? What is it? It's a people that have been swallowed up in the reality of a sovereign God who loves and cares for them. It's beautiful. And what are we here for? We're here to pour our lives out for Christ. We are not here to have an easy run of it. We are not here to have an easy go of things and to just give God the glory for that. If we do, then fair enough. But we are here for him. We are here to pour ourselves out. Remember Mary and the perfume? She breaks that perfume, doesn't she? And she just pours it on his feet and the, the fragrance fills the room. That's what, sometimes you want, to, you, want, you want to anoint Jesus with your life, it takes a bit of break. There's some breaking to be done. But I tell you, when you let Jesus break you, the incense will fill the room. The glorious incense will fill the room. Here's what I want to say to us. Guys, we're about advance, not survival. We are about advance, not survival. We're about advance regardless of the season. We are here to see God's kingdom come in London. We are here to see the church of Jesus Christ established through serving people, through loving people, and through being Christ-like to see people come in and say, I've seen it, this is reality. This is what we're here for. We're here to move forward again and again. Regardless of the pressure, you just keep going. And in it all you say, thank you, Lord, that the Bible says that through much pressure, we come into the kingdom. You're not saying, oh, this pressure's on, we'll just, we'll just hold off and wait, and then we can get on with the kingdom. No, the Bible says in Acts, through much tribulation, and the word means pressure, we enter the kingdom. You want more of the kingdom, the power of the kingdom, the righteousness of the kingdom, the peace and joy of the kingdom, walk through the pressure and keep going forward. That's what we're here for. Keep our eyes on the mission. Don't get sidetracked, distracted, and introspective. Oh, what's going to happen to me? Woe is me. Stop it. Repent of your self-pity. We're here on a mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, on the way, we will love and care for each other. On the way, we will hold each other, we'll pray for one another, we'll be hospitable to one another, and all of that. But we're going somewhere, guys. We're going somewhere. We didn't just come here to set up a Sunday meeting. We came here to impact and influence those around us. We came here to engage with this city and show it something different. That's what we're here for. Finally, hold your nerve on your giving. Hold your nerve on your giving. Don't start. Don't stop giving. I want to look in the eyes and say that. Hold your nerve. Hold the line. Have guts. Give. Give to the church. I'll happily give you a pie chart, whatever you like to show where it all goes. Totally transparent on it. No problem on that. But we, we need resources to go forward. We need finances to go forward and keep this thing moving forward, growing and resourcing what we want to do. We need money. Say it unashamedly. Keep giving to the poor when you see a need. Keep giving, keep an open heart, a good eye to the poor. It thrills me that so much of that money that we gave into that offering the other night will go to the poorest of the poor. It thrills my heart. Because you know what, since this, since this recession, I don't think I've ever really been hungry. I've never gone to bed hungry. People say, this recession is so bad, isn't it? Yeah, but you know, I haven't gone to bed hungry yet. Before this recession, hundreds of millions of people in the world did and still do. 
Come on, perspective, guys. Perspective. I want to just call you today afresh into the mission of this church. I want to call you afresh into God's mission, which is to see his glory restored in the lives of people. That broken lives get bound up. That sinful people get forgiven, reconciled to God, and set on the road to fullness of life. That's what we're about, isn't it? And I want to call you into that again, audaciously, given the, given the context that we're in, and say, come on guys, let's keep going, let's keep moving forward, let's keep believing God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Shall we pray? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to be free from anxiety. Every believer in this room has permission to be worry-free. It's beautiful, Lord. It's beautiful. Thank you, Lord, you call us to simplicity of life. To not be so caught up with all the trappings, but to love you and love one another. Thank you, you call us to the kind of life, Lord, that doesn't stress us out the whole time. (laughs) But, Lord, the kind of life where we walk and live in such a way, Lord God, that we receive and give and receive and give and it's just a flow about it I want to pray for us Lord give us wisdom give us wisdom we've got to stand before you one day give an account for our lives Lord we we say today we resolve that we will not be anxious we resolve that we will not come under fear we resolve that we will not get into a survival mentality we resolve that we will not get introspective and caught up on ourselves and go for survival of the fittest we say we will continue to give We'll continue to give to your mission. Continue to give to the poor, Lord God. Continue to have a good eye, Lord God, to needs and not get cynical and uh, sour and bitter about things. I want to pray you'd renew us with your heart, Lord. Give us your heart. We thank you. You are the ultimate giver. We thank you. You gave yourself for us. Hallelujah. We stand here today forgiven, renewed, restored, born again because you gave yourself for us. Lord, I pray that out of that we would give ourselves for you. We would give ourselves to others. Lord, that there would be a grace that triggers in our spirit, Lord God, that says, I'm I'm in for this, I'm going to go for this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I just feel that as we're here in this room, some of you just need, there's a a call for you to give yourself afresh in faith to what I've spoken about today. For some of you, it's individually, in the workplace, you've been convicted and it's like, right. Others of you, it's just the way your attitude, others of you, it's corporately, you say, you know what, I just, yeah, I need to give myself afresh to to the mission and to the vision here. And not be, not, not, not back off. If you fit into any of those categories, there's a sign of just saying, that's me, and Lord, I want to go for this afresh. Please just stand where you are. Let's just be before God. I want you to just be before God. And do business before God. Just be before him. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Just receive. Just receive. I just want you to receive grace. Okay, it's not about trying hard. It's about receiving grace from God. There's grace for you to walk in this from heaven. Okay, as you say, Lord, yeah, I'm not going to hold on to that. Or pray, there's grace for you. So I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just come and give grace now. Come and give sufficient grace. Thank you. There's grace for today. So even some of you are thinking about work already, that's tomorrow. (laughs) Just come and receive grace for today. Receive a fresh wave and a fresh sense of the 
presence and the fullness and the abundance of God for you. Receive it in your heart just now. It's there for you. It's there for you. Lord, we just pray, pour it out. Pour out grace by your spirit, Lord. In people's hearts and minds, bring fresh, bring liberty and lightness, Lord. I pray there'll be a spring in our step, individually and corporately. Lord God, that our joy wouldn't just remain, but it would increase. I pray as the recession deepens, that our joy would increase. I pray that as the recession deepens, our generosity would increase. I pray as the recession deepens, the grace that we walk in would multiply and increase. I ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. I ask it for us, Lord, that we might go forward beautifully. Lord, that we might look back without regret. That our hearts wouldn't become hard. That we wouldn't accommodate and embrace unbelief and allow it, allow it to just have space to dictate and to govern in our lives. For some of you are sitting here, you're thinking, well, this is just not, it's not, what these people are doing is not rational. Well, the other year when I heard a sermon on Mary breaking, Mary breaking the perfume, you know, it was completely irrational. It wasn't that it was rational. And that's why some of the disciples, Judas, said, this is crazy. This money could have been used for the poor. Jesus said, she's done a beautiful thing. She's done, leave her alone. <laughs> leave her alone. She's done a beautiful thing. Lord, I pray that we would do a beautiful thing. We would honour and love you with all that we are. And as a result, oh God, I pray there would be an explosion of grace that would come back our way. And exp- <laughs> I pray, Lord, I pray that we just, I pray even amongst us as a church, Lord, that you would just kick us into a new season of grace, generosity, love, hospitality, Lord, faith. I pray for faith, Lord. We wouldn't be, oh, I can't, because that, Lord, there would be that, I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lord, that would get into our mind and our heart, Lord, and as such, we would, we would walk in the impossible. People say, how have you done that? It's the grace of God. We believe God. I pray, put it on us, Lord. Put it on. If you're part of the church, I want you, anyone who's part of the church, I want you to stand there as well. Because I want us to pray for faith corporately. God, give us faith now. I want to ask that as a church, you give us faith. As a church, oh God, that we would have a deep conviction, not trying to whip ourselves up, a deep conviction, Lord God, that you know best and that your word stands regardless of changing circumstances, regardless of economic climate, Lord God, that the earth and everything in it belongs to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, you can turn it around in a moment and it will be a light thing. It would be an easy thing that the arm of the Lord is not too short. Hallelujah. I want to pray, oh God, that we would believe you, trust you, and that you would keep us from being cornered by circumstance. You keep us from being cornered by the prevailing mindset. You keep us from being shaped by the environments that we work in and live in. Lord, that we would not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, we receive that into our hearts now, Lord, not to be conformed, squeezed into the pattern of the world, squeezed into intimidation, squeezed into fear, squeezed into stinginess, squeezed into smallness, but transformed by the renewing of our mind to the glory of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.